0: This is Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast. A podcast about, you guessed it, nonprofit fundraising. This isn't the first podcast about it, but definitely not like any others you've listened to. This is a podcast for fundraisers, by fundraisers. No boring charts or the same stale best practices you've heard for years. No ideas that only work in theory here. No concepts from people who aren't in the same trenches as you are every single day. Each week, you'll get practical strategies and tips to craft messages that engage donors and raise more money. This isn't smoke and mirrors. Everything has been pressure tested in the real world. Plus, you can start using them as soon as the episode ends. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Thomas and Steve Thomas.
1: Hi, welcome to Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast. This is episode eight, email. Uh, inboxes, not just mailboxes anymore, uh, could be the title, but we're talking email. And I'm your host, Ryan Thomas, Vice President at Oneicity.
2: And I'm Steve Thomas, uh, CEO and one of the founding partners of Oneicity.
1: If you're paying close attention and keeping score at home, uh, you probably noticed that we share a last name and hopefully. That means that the name of the podcast makes either a little more sense, is a little funnier, or uh, maybe even just has, you know, three layers deeper of meaning to you as you're uh, Mm. listening or watching on your commute. And we uh, both work at Oneicity and uh, that's spelled O-N-E-I-C-I-T-Y. But if you're Googling, get close. Google will take care of the rest, but. If you are emailing your questions, only positive feedback, things you want to hear on the podcast, anything like that to podcast at oneicity.com, uh, you need to get it right because our email servers aren't set up to catch all the misspellings in the domain. So podcast at dot ycom and we're a boutique ad agency focused primarily on nonprofits, uh, marketing and fundraising with our partners. And uh, we do some for-profit work, but the nonprofit work is really what gets us out of bed. And is where we ended up having most of our conversations, which is sort of what started this. We have no life. We have no life whatsoever. (laughs) Sadly, we we sort of had the podcast before we were recording the podcast and that we would have these conversations, uh, back when you could have dinner and go out to restaurants and and be at things, we would just talk about fundraising. We're great at parties, and realized, oh, well, let's start a podcast, and then we can bring you, dear Lister, in as another seat at the table. Because uh, there sadly, are no
2: there are no podcasts out there. No, and there's none. So we're, everybody's we're like trying to find. One.
1: Yeah, we're getting yeah. in on the ground floor <laughs> of podcasts. <laughs> It's Sometimes like let's in, tell a
2: let's tell a story about that, but that'll be for later. So
1: it's like that. What's that? What's that old movie where the guy said, "Get into plastics"?
2: Uh, that was The Graduate with Dustin. Okay. Kaufman.
1: All right. Yeah. I knew it was a movie. I, I knew it was at least in color. I knew it wasn't in black and white, it, but it was in color.
2: And, and I have to just say, I vague. I remember that as an adult, not as a kid. So don't okay. Don't age me that much. Don't push yeah. It that <laughs> All right. That, okay. That, we don't want to because I fudge the news. I always have that pegged to the Civil War and the Civil War had just ended when that movie came. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: okay, <laughs> but I oh, digress.
1: Yeah, a little bit, but that's that's why we have this. Is we sit around, we talk fundraising, we laugh, we make jokes, and while there are a couple other podcasts out there and a couple other podcasts about fundraising, oh.
2: Oh, really?
1: Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. We go about it a little different and we want it to be a a different experience for you. And so come, you know, we want you to come sit down, hang out with us for a little bit, talk some fundraising like we have been doing for a while without a recording studio. And uh, we, in this podcast, we didn't usually always have a structure when we were doing it before the before times, but in the podcast, we like to start with something we've seen, in the wild, something fundraising uh, related or applicable that we've come across in the real world. And I've lost track of whose turn it is. So I'm just going to make you go first. Okay. And hope, great. And send in podcast to, at Oneicity if you've been keeping track <laughs> and know, <laughs> know which episodes one of us should go in which order.
2: Okay. So uh, since we're doing email, I latched on to an email I received this week uh, for one of my favorite uh, uh, charities. Uh, There's somebody that I have have both followed and we've been a donor uh, to for, wow, easily seven or eight years. Um, They do really good work, both in terms of the way they're changing the world and really good work in the way they communicate with donors, except... The subject line on this email said, "We've changed our mission statement," and I I thought, okay, don't overreact, don't overreact, and so I I read, and and basically they say, you know, here's some they were really some adjustment and wording things. Once I got into it, they weren't you know completely changing how they did things, and and so I just want to say one of the uh, with all due respect, one of the mistakes they made was they never told me, as a donor, why in the wide world of sports I would care about either their first mission statement mm. or the change they made to the second one. Uh, you, know, you know me, uh, Ryan. I I, w- I was looking for the because you know mm-hmm. we did this, and you should care because. And it really felt like being in one of those, and it's been a been in a few of those. You've been in a few of those meetings where it is so organizational focused. At some point, people deluded themselves into thinking, our donors are really going to care about the nuance to our mission statement. And I got to tell you, that's probably not true. And if all it was it
1: true. <laughs>
2: yeah. All <laughs> it, it, it would have taken would would be to say, you should care about this because, and then it's a short fill in the blank, and then you can do all the follow all with the mission statement. But they never did that, and so donors will snooze their way through it unless there are people like us, or organizational consultants, or mission statement geeks, or you know, the uh, people that lay in the
1: focus group to get right, that right, mission right. Tom statement Peter, changed.
2: Tom Peter, Tom Peter's acolytes. I don't know, but but they uh, so. Mission statement, change, that's okay. Not saying why I should care, that's a miss.
1: It's a lot like any any story or anything you're talking about at a party. If you don't relate it to your listeners in some way... Everyone is bored and looking for anyone else across the room to go talk to instead you're of just
2: you. that. You're just that old guy in the corner telling stories, yeah. right? You know, <laughs>
1: okay, tell me why I need to care about when we were on the gold standard, sir. Exactly. Cause I really don't care. And Do that's God. what
2: happens. That, that is one of the things I just want to say, and then I'll turn it back to you. That happens when you have, when you don't have an outsider in the, mm-hmm. in the group, because, they would have had a great answer if someone had said, Oh, why do people care about this? Or Mm -hmm. this is really not a big change for anybody on the outside or any of those kind of questions, which again, is the power of the, of the outsider.
1: Yeah. We, we even have some clients who, um, you mainly we sometimes get paid to be professional cynics or the, or Mm. the the kid in Mm. the back of the class. Just to come in and have no knowledge about what we're walking into and just sit back there and say well well why do we care why are you doing well it it's that way? it's that but whole it. that
2: whole explain it to me like i'm a five-year-old and i really am not loving what you're doing kind of a mm-hmm. thing, right Walk and me if you can do that you can yeah it's great fundraising
1: huh. well, that's good i i also have email um Ooh, little pattern email yeah, email on the brain mine's not directly fundraising related but It's emails from an artificial intelligence company. I've started following and kind of think is cool. Skynet or, uh, the, the machine brains that are going to take us over. But I signed up for their little newsletter, you know, kind of got in their funnel, got on their radar and I started getting emails from their founder CEO with subject lines like strange question, Hey, help with a test question mark? Mm. Did I miss you? Question mark? Mm. And I've opened two of them not remembering who this guy is. Oh, interesting. And so thinking, oh, somebody's got a strange question. Well, that, I, I love strange questions nine times out of 10. Or somebody needs help with a test who... I think these are real well, emails. You do that,
2: enough, of, yeah. You do enough of that in your regular life mm-hmm. that that it's that seemed like a logical kind of thing to be popping in. Yeah, yeah. They're
1: worded like an internal email I get from somebody on the team, and wow. so I found that fascinating. I'd love to know how artificial intelligence factors into you know their emails, but uh, those subject lines getting that attention—the one or one of the few things email and direct mail or anything else have in common is half the battle or more is yeah. getting your donor's attention and the subject line if you can get me clicking oh you've got a strange question mm-hmm. i'm reading your email and that's half of it now it's up to you to say why <laughs> say I the right thing that's about- right yeah <laughs> hey strange question we've changed our mission statement what do you think about that? <laughs> i mean you you you've got to handle it from there but yeah you got, the, you, you got me in <laughs> You may have called me into an empty room, but I, I walked in the door. That's great. So uh, next, that uh, calling somebody into an empty room, having a great subject line and, and crappy body copy, that's something you shouldn't do, but something you should do is this segment, which is Usually my favorite segment because I'm always looking for actionable tidbits. What can I take from whatever I'm listening, watching, or reading and apply tomorrow in the next hour? And this is the kind of thing that doesn't have a long tail on it. And you can put into practice right after you're done listening to the episode. Obviously, continue listening to the episode even though we put it towards the front end. But you can put it into practice right now.
2: I still think you got to move this to the end so that I, they, but it's a hard thing to know. Keep going.
1: Yeah, you're doing good. We're going to learn from the analytics if you drop off yeah. after this. Yeah. So my mine is about testing. Ironically. So this is, can this, test. is the, this is sort of the you should be doing segment, yeah. right? If you're okay. not doing it, you ought yeah. to be doing it. And a lot gotcha. of people will be doing these things. And if so, this is a pat on the back. Uh, clip this or hit pause so that everyone in your organization who gave you crap about wanting to put this in place can hear, hey, we should be doing this. Oh, wait, we are, and it's because of me, you're welcome. Uh, You can can get some kudos around the office. But if you're not testing already, you ought to be. And now that's, that's a little more complicated than some of the things we usually put into this segment, but it is vital to your lifeblood as an organization and as a fundraiser, because anything we know today you may not know tomorrow, and the only way to to really know something is to test your hypothesis. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult or time-consuming, expensive in direct mail hitting people's mailboxes. But in email and digital, like everything else in the digital world, it's slightly easier.
0: Not everything is
1: easier everything. in the digital world. Come on. Not everything. A lot of easier. things, a lot, a of, lot things of things. Right. So like a lot of things in the ones and zeros, it's easier to test and it's more cost-effective to test. Mm-hmm. And in email specifically, uh, there are a few things if you're not already testing or if you haven't tested in the last two years, uh, you ought to test either to reaffirm what you do know or find out something different. Uh, you got to test highish and lowish design and what I mean by that is design that looks like an artist was involved in creating this email with maybe a really cool captivating image up top with your logo and some copy on some of the the space out to the side of your image Um, you know font color differences things like that versus an email that really just looks like the sender, your CEO, executive director, whoever it is, sat down and just banged this thing out and sent it. Yeah. And oftentimes you're going to find one versus the other. And I always like changing things up. So even if you see one working better, sprinkle in the other periodically to get attention, mm-hmm. but test that kind of design versus literally no design. And also look at subject lines. So I wouldn't I wouldn't advise everybody to use strange question, question mark in your subject lines, but it did get attention, but look at putting in the first name or some sort of personalization mm. into the subject line. Again, don't do it every time or else it will don't, it doesn't have any pop, but that's something you ought to look at doing. You're probably gonna find that that works better and if that does, if that does prove to be the case, then your next step is to think about okay, well, when when do we want to use this selectively? Just mm. a separate thing, but at least figure out what works. And then look at pre-header text. The pre-header text is the on your email browser, it's what's going to show below or beside the subject line. So the subject line will say something big and in bold. And then in most email browsers or clients, it's the smaller font. It's not formatted. And it's you can do it a lot of ways. You can play back to the subject line. You can <laughs> say something different. You can even send an email without it, which seems weird, but is worth a try for a couple of yep. reasons. One, it is different. Two, if I send you an email, I don't put any preheader text in. So it looks more like a real person sent it. Well done. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, test it, but always, like with every test, start with what would I do with the knowledge I gain from this test? Before you do anything else, think, if I learn subject lines with the name works, what am I going to do with that? Yeah, exactly. And then go from there. Because if you don't know what you're going to do with it, don't waste your time.
2: Yeah, yeah. Actionable reporting, actionable tests. Good job. Mm-hmm. I like that. My turn.
1: Yep. I
2: got a letter, and I, I, uh, it's not the important thing is not that it's a letter. I uh, will. I assumed at some point we're going to talk about new donor acquisition kits, direct mm-hmm. mail, and that kind of stuff. Uh, this is clearly a um, a new donor acquisition kit because I'm not a donor to this I mean, organization. You're, you're not
1: a donor to them. Never have been. They're nope. cold calling you through the they, mailbox.
2: They just okay. Uh, and we'll talk about some of the components. This is a really nice uh, direct mail acquisition kit. Uh, but what I like about it is it's four pages of text. Now, um, uh, most of our work for most of our clients, not exclusively, um, we hone in on a, a, a length of of copy that works, whether it's a newsletter or it's a uh, or an email or in this case a. An actual, you know, physical letter. The length, uh, you will you can read um you know there are experts who will tell you everything from you have to do two pages, an email has to be this many lines. To and,
1: never do two pages, only yeah. odd numbers, only primes. Yeah.
2: Point. And so I'm just gonna say, yeah, fine. Though here's the difficulty is Um, uh, To your point about subject lines, um, predictability is invisibility. The more predictable you are, the more invisible you will be because um, God built our brains to analyze and see patterns and we're looking for disruptions. And so what I want to call out uh, for, for people to try is if you're used to doing emails that are really short, try one that's really long. If Mm. you're used to doing four page letters, do a one page letter. If you're used to doing two page letters, test a four page letter. Because one of the things that happens is donors, well, one, you may actually have the only single winning uh, uh, strategy in terms of, of copy length or look, but you must change things to just test. I mean, we are constantly testing length, wording, uh, design high or low, mm-hmm. um, stealth kinds of things, or, uh, very clearly branded kinds of things, because not only do each of our clients group of donors react differently, but things, this is gonna be a shocker to young guys like you, Ryan, is that, is that things change. And if you, if you do it the same old way, I mean, I, uh, I, I will just say, I, I know of, 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 um, Rules of thumb and the we know stuff that extends back to the seventies. I mean, that's well before my time.
1: You mean but, what? You mean what they're saying now? We know yeah, this is how you do it. Yeah, they yeah. they ran and, their experiment in the seventies. Have been selling uh, that webinar so, for the last exactly. Years.
2: Exactly. So just just keep testing and and just remember predictability is invisibility. And if and so you want to just disrupt if for no other reason the next thing you get you send them or that they receive from you they will notice differently but you also may discover oh here's something we've never considered doing and and that's worth worth doing and then we need to talk about this this new donor acquisition uh, letter later because it's or another time because it's it's just really quite good
1: yeah acquisition uh, that this may be the second time in a row we we've, we've settled on our next episode topic in the previous episode. Ooh. So that's uh I'm so glad we have that intern
2: who's producing this and tells us about these cues that works yeah, really yeah, well. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's really nice that they pull that out and then say, "Oh, by the way, you decided next week to do this." Here's here's your toss you need to make. So, yeah, okay, here we go. But for this week, talking email, mm-hmm. uh, not not bad emails we've gotten, or, or good funny emails, but emails to donors. And as we want to do, first, let's back up and say, you should be emailing your donors. There's almost no reason as a fundraiser or an organization, you shouldn't be emailing donors. Oh so my let's gosh. Get, let's yeah. get
2: that out of the way because- And you almost- you probably will not over email your donors. You will be afraid of doing that before they get irritated. So just kind of set that
1: aside too. The, the threshold is so much higher than you think. Now I, I've, I've hit that or people have hit that threshold with me. Yeah. But it's once a week saying the same thing eight times in a row or every, every day.
2: Okay. Oh Might be too much. Right. Okay. But we, we've all been on emails like that mm. and that colors the, um, uh, decision-making from some, for, for somebody who doesn't have the scope of experience that a guy like you has, uh, cause we've tested and eased into sequences and email sends, and you really do have to be at a high frequency to begin seeing any sort of unsubscribe rate i mean that uh, assuming these are people who actually know who you are right you know i right. mean
1: assuming that okay and well and that goes to one of i was going to say one of our pillars but you know i don't know if we're establishing uh, pillars and hills we're going to die on in this podcast but one of them would be if you're going to say anything make it Something worthwhile to say or Mm -hmm. applicable to a donor. Your Mm -hmm. because that you referenced earlier. A long email, if it applies to me and uh, resonates with why I care about your organization. Okay, I'm not mad about that. An email that resonates with me four times a week. Okay, Mm -hmm. it's well, and you may have something going on. yeah yeah know, yeah it's don't don't send me an email that doesn't say anything oh that that's says, so good write that, that, that down that's time. good okay i like that. it's like it's like in your office you get mad i'm sure when someone sends you an email that isn't is isn't worth sending this either could have waited or this isn't a problem you know whatever it is so just make sure it's worth the donor's time that's your there first you. self-check yeah. against sending too many yeah and most of the time they'll complain before they'll unsubscribe.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You'll get the feedback
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, and you'll see your, uh, open rates and, and various analytics. I won't get into your business. Uh, you'll see that you'll see those change.
1: And that's a great segue into, okay, so you should be doing it mm-hmm. as you're doing it. Mm-hmm. What do you look at? And some of the easy ones are your open rate. How many people are opening it? So, what's the industry standard for that, Ryan? You okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love industry standards and national standards. <laughs> I, I, again, going back to you, I can find something that says basically anything. I could put my hands on a study that says industry standard is 5% open rate for emails. And I could put my hands on something that says 33,
2: 40%. So you're, you're a consultant and an ad guy. So are you making those up or you literally can, could say, Hey, I, I've seen stuff that, that gives that, that wide a difference. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've seen all, right. all of that and okay. they try to couch by say, okay, well, we're looking at this vertical and at this sub industry that uh, wow. the thing is I, I like rolling averages, even among our clients that are in similar buckets and similar fields, even though they are in different parts of the country. I like to look at an established average. And so over the last six months, this was your open rate. Okay, now let's look at what are the good ones, what are the bad ones? And now that we have that rolling, how did this next one do? Okay, well, that was a little above, that was a little below because you've got this six month history of how your donors behave in email with you. Otherwise, you're never gonna hit, maybe they keep less old email addresses on file that changes the math or maybe- Okay, that's detect- such
2: a great a great uh, uh, rationale for not paying attention to anybody else. The fact that people listening to this podcast or our clients or somebody out there in the world, they may have an email uh, list that has never been cleaned up. Hmm. That that is full of uh, the, the zombies and the ghosts and the people that that never get around to actually which, taking. An which action. by that
1: you mean these are people on an email file that rarely slash never open. However, yeah. because they're getting sent and delivered, that's factoring into the math. To get your open rate percent exactly,
2: and 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 so for instance, there, there's a uh, many of our clients will periodically include like volunteers and and just names and email addresses. Well, that becomes a very different, pardon me, very different universe than just a donor file. Right, and so that issue really does come into play there, and why it just kills you to pay attention to nationals.
1: So what I do, what does get closer to apples to oranges, as opposed to apples and candy bars is click through rate because click through rate is looking at how many people clicked a link or a button in your email, which means they must've opened it. So it sort of normalizes for different open rates and just says, okay, once you got them in how many people took your action? And it, you can look at it as a way of showing how effective your email was. Now, again, there are gonna be lots of reasons driving that. Uh, Lots of things go into it. Again, I still like um, averages and we split (laughs) our emails into different types, whether they're a direct ask, which is a very hard- uh, Straight up give now kind of a thing, right? It doesn't say much else. It's almost, hello, I'm here to ask for money because you can make a difference today, right now. Here's your button, thanks, goodbye. Yeah. Uh, And then a few other types. And the reason we have types, uh, well, first I'll just say, so we established metrics that we wanna hit for each client for each of those subtypes and then look at, okay, how are the direct asks doing? How are the general appeals, which may be telling a story and then have an ask at the end, that's much more analogous to an, uh, a direct mail appeal. Okay. And so different emails are different. You like with your boss, if you got an email from your boss that said, Hey, I need to see you the open rate and click through <laughs> rate on that email <laughs> is going to be slightly lower or slightly higher than an email from an intern or from, I, you know, I don't know, an admin or something. And so, yeah, Yeah. great. Yeah, it all factors in, but then, (laughs) so then that might be begging the question. You may be asking, well, then why are you sending different types of emails? Okay. So the reason we do that and uh, you probably experience it if you're on somebody's email file, which if you're listening to this, you have to be on somebody's email file is email really serves a just an immense purpose in nurturing the relationship that you have with your donor. Because your donor has to be a relationship, they can't be a transaction, they can't be a line uh, in a database, a field in Excel, they're a person. Mm-hmm. And you've got to nurture that relationship. If we all have that brother-in-law who's always coming around asking for money, you don't answer his calls or you don't answer the door that often when he comes around, cause you know, it's there, but your friend who you hang out with, you go to barbecues with, he helps you move. You help him do stuff around the yard. If he asks for money, cause he's in a tight spot. Well, that, that's a much easier thing to deal with because there's a relationship there yeah. and indirect mail, it, it could be harder or more expensive to send something without an ask because there's literally gonna be almost no ROI on it. Yeah. And so direct. email- no Direct, ROI. direct ROI. Yeah, correct. Because in email we've seen, well, first we will send soft touches, which we call emails that don't have a direct ask because I'm a fundraiser. I usually hide a give now link in the footer of the email because if somebody, (laughs) if somebody really
2: want to, right. If they've got a
1: hundred bucks burning a hole in their (laughs) pocket, man, I've got a donation page for them. Absolutely. But, But for the most part, it's for some of our faith based organizations. It's how can we pray for you or, um, you know, some sort of relational building touch like that. And we've tested because some clients have said, ooh, That's I don't nice. know about doing that because that how's that gonna help our bottom line? I mean, you, you wanna do that in the fourth quarter? You wanna send an email that isn't asking for a donation? Crazy uh, talk, uh, yeah. And, that makes it feel weird. And so we did a test Oh, early on in my time of donors getting emails and then for the subset, we tossed in a soft touch before some other asks and the donors who got the soft touch, that group gave more, gave more often. Almost every metric we looked at was much higher than the group who only got the ask email section.
2: Wow, what a concept that that telling, building a relationship with a donor and connecting a donor with some of the details of the cause might mm. impact income.
1: Huh. I mean, it's weird. It, it's, it's yeah. almost like donors are
2: people almost i, I mean don't not go too far don't go yeah too we far. know they're not
1: but yeah. <laughs> they almost are people <laughs> and another thing that's i don't want to say low-hanging fruit because it's talking about donors but an easy way to nurture and connect because really email can bring in significant amount of significant amounts of money but the one thing it can do that direct mail kind of can't do is this uh, zero ROI direct touch. But mm. without those, you're not gonna keep your donors. I love doing donor anniversaries or birthdays in oh, email. Oh yeah, Because yeah. that is so cheap, but who doesn't love having their birthday recognized? It's really-
2: so, so, so play that out. So talk about how that works.
1: So a donor anniversary would be the the date of the first gift. Yeah. Which
2: with some, with some of our, our clients and, and some of the work we've done, we sort of have to fudge that because the data ain't that good, but you can also you know, do it as a, as a year, mm-hmm. not a actual month and day. So whatever data you have that you're confident is right. Also knowing most of the time donors aren't going to know if you missed it.
1: They're not going to say, um, I did not give my first not, gift to not, you anywhere near now.
2: No, that was that was not April seventeen. I'm pretty sure it was April twenty. Yeah. So but but specificity is a powerful thing. And so depending on how your your data situation is, that's a beautiful thing to do, particularly if you connect that to the difference the donor made, not your budget, right? We made not, budget. Twelve years in a row because of your giving. Nobody gets excited about that. But well, Giddy CFO does. But well, yeah,
1: does. yeah, but he's he, don't let him send these emails. That's he another. Does that count. That's another pro tip. <laughs> but you you get excited about an email that says, you know, Steve, you you gave your first gift to us in nineteen ninety five and. I was just sitting, I was walking through the halls and I saw one of our classes meeting and I just thought of all the lives that are changing today and all the lives that have been changed because of your partnership. And yeah, this isn't your birthday. It's not my birthday, but I, this is around the time you gave your first gift to us and started our relationship. And I just wanted to let you know that lives have been changed because of you and they're changing tomorrow because of you. Thank you so much for keeping the people we help and us in in your thoughts and et cetera. Beautiful. Yeah. Who doesn't feel good about that? And same. Who's going to be day. irritated
2: about that? They go unsubscribe. unsubscribe. I don't want any more of that stuff. You, I,
1: you probably, if you look at a big enough sample, you'll get an unsubscribe. And okay. it's Yeah. Hilarious. Well, someone will complain about
2: anything. Yeah, well, and, and one of the things I think is so powerful about that is then when you follow it with the inevitable ask where you are, mm-hmm. you are making a direct ask, you're not coming in cold. You've mm-hmm. reminded them. You've acknowledged them. You know who they are. You're paying attention to who they are. It's a different ask than some kind of uncomfortable, cold kind of
1: ask. Because two weeks ago, you reminded them why they first started this relationship with you. Oh, yeah. And so now, oh, yeah. now here we are. And anniversaries are effective because let's just... Let's all agree, listener, you're not here, so you can't disagree, that that works. Sending an anniversary email in front of an ask is effective. Very much so. All of your donors have given at various parts of the year. So just by adopting this one strategy, Mm -hmm. you've got this effective sub strategy happening, you know, every week or all periodically through the year which means you're not stacking your best hitter or your best idea at one part of the year. You're seeing it percolate through all 52 weeks. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And and that lets you look for the ebbs and flow in your work mm-hmm. that, and and can can remind the donors of things they have participated in if you if your data supports or if you just want to go broad. And and it's a powerful thing. Good job. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. That works.
1: Wow. So there's so much to say in email. Um, the last, the last thing I'll say, actually we we've camped on oh, really? for a while. Really, I, well, this is the last thing you're gonna say. I mean, the last thing I'll say about email, maybe. in this <laughs> oh, No way, you're this, gonna come this, back. Yeah. I got stuff.
2: I got stuff to talk about. You'll come in on. Oh, so this, go is, ahead. this is great. So the last okay. thing
1: I will say is when, and this, oh, this is such a pet peeve of mine. When you send an email to a donor asking for a gift or donation link that button or that call to action Uh, that hyperlink to the page where they can give that gift or donation at the point where they have clicked saying yes i will give a a backpack to a kid for back to school they don't need to go to a page talking about the benefits of the backpack (laughs) and why they should give a backpack even if and i've had i've had this pushback even well the donate button is at the very top they'll see it it'll all be fine well Ah. then why did you even put a link in the email then yeah and an email think about it as i have asked you for money you've said yeah i'll give you some money you shut up and don't keep talking at that point get out of the way let them let Let them give the gift, let them do the fun thing they want to do because donors enjoy giving backpacks or helping. Oh,
2: that's or yeah. And I think that is such a powerful thing to say is that donors are this is not extortion. Donors want to do this. So that your your line about get out of the way is so perfect. Just let them let them do what they what is on their hearts, let them step into this thing they want to make a difference with. Oh, that's so beautiful. Because how
1: many how many times? at least I have in this uh, pandemic stay at home time, abandoned a food shopping takeout cart because the checkout experience is forcing me to sign up for their their club with an email or log in with one. It's like, I don't wanna eat here that bad. I'm gonna go do something else for food. And that's for food, that's for delicious Chinese food. So when we get to the, you should be doing
2: segment, uh, I've got something that connects very well with that. So that's another story. Okay. Okay. All right. So, uh, since you're not going to talk anymore,
1: nope, uh, it, done. It,
2: you've turned, you turned it over to me, right? So yeah. I, a couple of things I want to say about, about email and, um, you and others on the team have sort of painted me as let's call it older. I do make my civil war jokes, but I, one of the things I wanna say is I understand a couple of things about email. First, it is an opportunity of extraordinary intimacy with a donor. There are very few times that you communicate with the donor that there are, there are different and almost, uh, I hate to say no, there are reduced distractions. Email is a place of communication and I am not probably uh, also cooking dinner. I'm also probably not doing a variety of things that might happen mm. with direct mail, trying to get the dog to come in or whatever else. In email, I am actually looking and reading communications. I'm expecting you to communicate with me. I'm If I click on your email or your subject line because of how good it is, I wanna know what is this about? What's in here? Uh, yeah capitalize on the intimacy of that inbox and think over and over again I have this chance to talk very directly with fewer distractions to to my donor and I and I encourage you to think donor not donors um, then then it becomes a, a marvelous opportunity to communicate not just about, uh, ringing the ATM and getting to give gifts. Second thing I will say is um, having, yeah, again, old guy, um, uh, having uh, grown up doing fundraising and testing in the days before email was a, was a force um, uh, testing that comes out of direct mail, the direct response world is, is, rigorous, it's beautiful. the good stuff works because of how expensive the the pieces are. Email gives you uh, the ability to test live. I mean um, uh, uh, for the for our clients we often are testing subject line, you know two subject lines. Mm. Um, I, for for one client I can recall we're testing time of send where there's yep. Some groups sending this way, some groups sending this way. And that doesn't even get into the creative and some of the other technical things you can test. It doesn't really cost anything to test. You can't test every email. I don't think that's wise, personally, because I think (laughs) that just distracts you. But I do think you need to think about testing. Here's something to add to the list, Ryan, if we want to talk about someday, is how do you test? Because random tests are worse than no tests. So mm-hmm. you really have to think through the test, but but you will have that opportunity. Uh, last thing I will say is to your point about creative, what what it looks like arriving in the inbox. One, one of the things that I, that I know you have have um, uh, helped our clients and and people we we coach understand is not everybody is looking at your email under optimum conditions. What? <laughs> it's shocking. I admit, what? And in fact, a frightening number of people have images turned off, and so they're not even going to see that lovely uh, photo you picked, or the art box you know the intern made. But they're I, gonna but see I a,
1: spent I spent four rounds of revisions I, yeah, internally exactly. on that. But they're box. just going to see Come a little on. X that
2: says "images." You know, click here for to to download Aww. images. Yeah. So you need to you need to compass that in your strategy and planning, and it's and it's easy. And and again. The software and the tools really make it so, not simple, I won't say that, but it is easy. Once you figure out the technical parts, you can begin driving very sophisticated techniques. And what I want to say to people who are, and and a lot of our listeners and clients are smaller Mm -hmm. nonprofits and ministries, this is where you begin to shift it where you are more competitive with the big guys because what the big guys do is they spend a lot of money and a lot of resources to look like they know about the donor.
1: you actually know your donors they're spending so, money to look small exactly, exactly. you are sm- that's that's taking the uh, so you're a David and they're a Goliath oh I like wait that. It's kind of good to be a David sometimes.
2: It is very good to be a David. So those, those would be the simple things I, I would I would uh, tag on to, to to what you had said about email.
1: But again, so just to summarize, you ought to be emailing. If you're not, that's a huge mistake. Hmm. If anybody comes at you to protest that, you should, that we shouldn't be doing email to donors.
2: No one's going to say that. They're going to say, we, if you email like twice a year, that's too many.
1: Yeah, it we shouldn't be doing a robust email series nobody, or campaign. Nobody wants to hear from us. They don't care. They really or, don't. Or they only they want to hear from us in direct mail. That's where yeah. that's where we that's where our significant income has come from. Yeah. So that's where we need that's where it's going to stay. And that you can't have a healthy and nurtured donor relationship without email. And if you don't have a healthy and nurtured donor relationship, you're in big trouble. Maybe not this year, but definitely next year. In the first part of next year. Yeah, the first quarter. Because <laughs> you didn't send you didn't send your uh, New Year's New Year's Eve or ringing in 2022 no, email. You,
2: you didn't update your mission statement to your That's donors. That's right. <laughs> We're not oh. laughing with,
1: we're laughing with you, not at you. Okay. Yeah.
2: I might oh, be yeah. laughing at that. Yeah, I was gonna say, okay. I am I,
1: I might be. And anybody who's listened to any other episodes of this knows that's not quite the case.
2: But okay, it's all about managing, you know? Yeah, it's all about the managing image the image. Yeah. There you go. Okay, here we go.
1: So that that is the first and not the last time we talk about email. If we tried to unpack email, soup to nuts or one to zero, this would be a, a monster podcast in hours. And this is enough they're, to get they're
2: too they're too long anyway. So let's not add to that, right?
1: Uh, well well we're we're testing. We're gonna we're gonna A B test everything.
2: <laughs> yeah. We know fundraising. Podcasting is sort of a new trick. This is interesting.
1: We do know talking though, which is what we're good at. And there you go. So now we're going to move into something that ought to be on your radar. So this is, could be fundraising related, might not be fundraising related. It started, and the name comes from uh, you. It's a phrase you and I have been using with each other a bunch of hey, did you see this? Or hey, that that profile with Mark Cuban in GQ ought to be on your radar or, hey, put this on your radar to read. It's not stop down everything and check out now, but just keep on your radar, put it in your save to read later folder. Think about it. Yeah. And mine, um, I was gonna bring something, but then I realized I don't want to endorse just one of these because there's really no wrong one to purchase or get but it's a, any of the mini write something today or 365 writing prompts. Oh. They're books, journals that have a writing prompt and then the good ones also have a space for you to write in that page, just a prompt every day. And not because you are in training to be a Nobel prize winning poet or you're the next Jack Kerouac but fundraising Ooh, nice,
2: nice old reference there. That was, good. I can
1: play old guy as well. Yeah. I don't know. Good. I don't know which division he fought in, in the civil war, but I, I do know. He was around. <laughs> I think, I don't, I think he drove around in a jalopy kind of car with the, with the hand crank on the front, but okay. Not all of them are going to land. I mean, yeah, it was good. This is, I, this is, this is what we edit out in post. But fundraising, you you're
2: not doing anything in post. It's just straight up. So well, the, I mean, are we It didn't this? get edited
1: out. The, the okay. listener knows clearly we are not editing anything out. In gotcha. Post. Gotcha. Anyway. But in fundraising, everything is about words. And okay. even at an event, that is written communication at some part of the process, whether it's the script for the ask, the invites, fundraising could work without design, but it could not work without writing. And the better writer you are, or even the more comfortable, I don't want to say better, let's just say the more comfortable you are as a writer, the better you will be at either creating fundraising copy, reviewing fundraising copy, planning fundraising, messaging, all of that. And Uh, It takes five, once, after you do it a few times, you can knock this into a five or six minute process to read a prompt, fill up the lines on the page. You don't have to finish that thought. You don't have to finish that story. Just get in the habit of being able to put down eight, 10, 12 lines like that, just like clockwork. And you will see the benefits pretty quickly. It's like doing a new exercise. That muscle will start to build and you'll be able to find better ways to say things in copy, or when something needs to happen quickly, you'll be able to turn around a bunch of copy really quick um, in a tight spot. I like that. Yeah.
2: So, and, and I, I'll say, I'll say one of the things I have told um, young guns like you that I have, and you, you've heard me say this. So I'm, I'm saying this actually to our to the listeners, is. Writing is the skill everyone needs, whether even if you're a technology geek, if you only do ones and zeros, whatever, you still end up needing to communicate in words. And the better you are and the more influential and persuasive you are in your words, the better your work life will be, period.
1: And if you could do that faster.
2: Who
1: hasn't sat composing an email? Uh, Oh, uh, 10 minutes to think. Okay. Is this the best way to say it? Is it, it if it's only
2: 10 minutes, I feel good. Yeah, I got to tell you that. One. That's a confession because there have been times I have, I have written the, you know, the 30 minutes of churning and, ah, oh, no, I don't want to say that or what will they think about that? Okay. It's, yeah. It's if, you, if you can get me down to 10 minutes with, with a, with a book I can buy, I'm in. So, well, well with yeah.
1: the, the, not your, not your father's fundraising podcast, 365 writing prompts book. Mm-hmm. I can, we can cut your email composing time by 35%. Okay. Will you talk to the intern about getting that on the list? Yeah, of we'll, we'll make it. Um, that, 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 that's that's actually not a bad idea. Now that I think about it. As opposed it gets, to your other ideas? That gets better ideas? with time.
2: Okay. All right. So uh, my, uh, on your radar is um, four, I have four letters. Are you ready? Okay. Write this down. Okay. Are S- these like,
1: Okay. Like actual letters. letters, not yeah,
2: not actual letters. I didn't know you meant like composed letters. letters. Like, S-E-T-H. 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 Okay. Go to the Google. Google those four letters, Seth, and you'll come up with Seth Godin. Um, Seth Godin is a marketing guy. Uh, I'm saying this because uh, I'm always shocked when people don't follow him. They don't know who he is. They don't pay attention to what he says. I want to say a few things about Godin. Godin's been in the business a long time. Godin is very good at marketing himself, but he also is good at helping uh, you understand. Uh, If it's still in print, it's been in and out of print. Uh, uh, The book you need to start with is a book called "Purple Cow." Purple Cow, not "Purple Rain." Purple Cow. (laughs) And. It's an easy read. It sort of plays like a business metaphor. Um, Mm. It's an illustration. Uh, You'll be able to read it on a long lunch break. And if you're paying attention, it will change how you think about how you communicate with your donors. Uh, What I love about Seth is he doesn't do fundraising. Uh, He's a marketing guy and he's a business guy and he's an education guy. But everything he talks about you will be able to connect dot A and dot two. <laughs> Couldn't resist. Uh, and, and you'll be Gosh. able to get those connected. And, and you'll, be, you'll be able to think about it. One of the things I want to say is I have I've met Seth in a, in a social setting. I've spent some time with him, not a lot. Um, I have emailed with him. He showed up on our blog because we were giving away his books. He, in every respect, seems like a classy guy, a guy who cares, and a guy who's, in spite of the fact that he's a biggie, I mean, how many first names are 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 enough to get the Google to find you? Uh, it's just yeah, that's impressive. I mean, as a as a guy who has Steve Thomas is one of the most boring names in the world. Ryan Thomas, sorry, it's my not helpful. Help. But no, it's it's about the you know it's about the same. Seth is you, you go to the Google, enter Seth, click the button, you'll see Seth Godin. Uh, he is worth following. He by all of my understanding, he's a good guy he paid attention as we were forming the company and as we were we were kind of getting started he was was helpful he was kind uh and was one, the guy who said hey i'm going to be in seattle come over let's you know let's let, i'd like to meet you who i was nobody i'm still nobody but but certainly then and he was he was very much a class act that you ought to hear
1: google s e
2: t h seth that's what i got
1: that ought to be the back of his uh, biography of every book. Just Google my first name, and you can find me. That yeah. that's yeah. the ultimate humble brag.
2: Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. It's amazing.
1: And he's a good guy. Think and he, he, a- he
2: puts that. He just pours out the content. So, Twitter blog, all he, all the. He's a content. Things. He's a content machine. And he does it himself. I the only time I, um, uh, I ask him the question one time how do you create this stuff and he literally looked at me at, and I I felt um maybe not dumb but I I really knew that was the wrong question and he 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 gives me this look and he says you have to write it <laughs> it's like <laughs> oh yeah I I was looking for a shortcut you know like a software app or something Yeah, and and that's, that's who he
1: is. I mean, he puts out content every day, every day. And not, and at least 90% of it isn't a hundred word content. I mean, it, this is actual meaty. Yeah. Oh, although he is a master at
2: the 20 word, uh, uh, complete bomb in your head that you, that you can't stop thinking about. So enough about no, that's Seth. why he's he awesome does. on Twitter. Yeah, is he doesn't need our promotion, but but Seth Godin, if you're not following him, just follow him a while,
1: and and if you do, tell him we sent him, sent you, and then maybe yeah. we can get like an affiliate link or something. Ooh, that'd be nice. Or maybe we can get him on the podcast.
2: Oh, that'd be nice. And he's another guy with a lot of without a lot of hair, like me.
1: I might not be able to tell you guys apart if he comes on. That that could. There's get been awkward. some jokes made about that. Okay, enough of could that. Could be that Spider-Man meme pointing back and forth. Well, this has been episode eight, uh, but this is not your father's fundraising podcast. And I'm Ryan Thomas, and I'm Steve Thomas, not Seth Godin. And <laughs> be with us next week. Uh, We're on episode nine. We'll talk about why you should be advertising on Hulu. Ooh,
2: I like that because because that's yeah, that's the grass skirt. Women, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the on the on the dashboard. On the cars, dashboard, the, yeah, okay. of the jalopies. Yeah, <laughs> why, why you ought to be uh, advertising on Hulu, Hulu with live sports, Hulu live TV. Uh, tune in. And we'll say why at the next commercial of uh, and Isles or whatever procedural you're watching. Your nonprofit ought to be showing up. Thanks for listening. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. Tune back in next week for another fresh episode of Not Your Father's Fundraising Podcast.